Hello, you incredible human beings. This interview is gonna be really, really helpful for you if you wanna increase your energy, optimize your sleep, improve your recovery, uh, help anxiety, depression, stress, because in this interview, Dan and I, we, we cover all those topics in relation to light. Light exposure is probably one of the most underrated uh, things that we have within our body. In fact, some would go to say that your nutrition or your training matters very, very little. The thing that really matters is your light and, and how much light you put in. I mean, you'll, you'll see, I often wear these things, these you know sexy yellow glasses, or maybe even you've been privileged, privileged enough to see my red ones. Uh, I'm a big believer in optimizing our light exposure. So what we're going to do in this interview is we're going to run through everything that you need to know about light in order to optimize your energy, optimize your recovery, optimize your mental state, as well as also optimizing your health in general. Hope it helps. And we're live. Welcome back, brother. Hey, how's it going, man? Oh, good. Hopefully this one records my audio. <laughs> That'd be, that'd be nice. For everyone listening, Dan and I have already, we already filmed one of these. We, it was a fucking awesome episode, except none of my audio recorded at all. We just had Dan spitting fire and there's just blanks from me. So it's a kind of a, a shitty conversation when it's only one person talking. But dude, I was, I was going to say, like, I'll continue on like what we we're talking about before I hit the record button. Like, got these bad boys from you guys. Unreal. And like the weirdest thing about like these, these blue light glasses, other than looking absolutely incredible, um, it, I feel like I can focus way better with these on as opposed to when I don't have it, like on the blue light. Like it feels like it's much more of a vibrant color. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. And that's the um, – so because when you're filtering – well, you're using the yellow the yellow tint and it's doing two things. So you're filtering out the blue, um, which, which in itself, which is the white light from the screen, essentially we call it blue light, but that – that can produce a lot of glare as well and actually strain your eyes, make, making you actually try to concentrate harder. And then you actually throw on a yellow tint. It's almost like, like in a way, like color therapy. Like it's, it enhances all like what you see. And like our brain is wired when you see things that are nice, vibrant yellow color, that's almost like a mood enhancer as well at the same time. Yeah, gotcha. Huh, that makes sense. Because it's like I was, I was saying, as I was saying before, it's like I got to. I actually had to move my screen further back when I put these on, as opposed to like when I don't. Like when I take them off, it's like it's nowhere near. You know what it is? It's it's like I'm not getting as much information. I can't focus as well with them off compared to when I've got them on. Yeah, and that's probably because your your eyes are more trying to adjust and focus on such a bright screen, right? Hundred percent. Yeah. 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 Absolute game changer, man. I love this. So if we if we go right back to the start with you, like why did you pursue making such sexy glasses? Like what was the reason for you doing this? Um well it's I guess it first of all it started out of an own personal personal need for myself. Um so yeah, if we if we wind wind back the clock like eight years ago, even probably actually more like nine. Um career in IT, so um, screens all day, fluorescent lighting all day, and then jet home, and then screens all night, well, because that was kind of the nature of the job, you're doing um, changes out of hours. So essentially, it's just like an overdose of like all this artificial light from screens and lighting, and yeah, it just hit me massively. So like migraines, headaches during the day, um, issues with like concentration on the screen as well, like, yeah, I was like, finding myself coming right up to the screen and just agitation so i guess and and then 
that was kind of day and then in the night, which actually compounded the issues was um, was insomnia, right? So I'd be working from 11 o'clock to like, like sort of like 12.30 at night and then jumping off that, feeling, feeling like I've just like had two cups of coffee and I'm just like, holy shit, like, and then you're just sitting in bed like this and then eventually getting sleep and then that's actually was making the migraines worse the next day. So it's kind of like it on this, you know, um, negative feedback loop, the whole continuously making me spiral downwards. And um, yeah, so where I started was what most people do is, is I had no idea of the connection between my environment was causing this. So, you know, you just go to the, you know, your doctor and you think that within 10 minutes, they're going to magically work out what's wrong with you and, send you on your way and of course that's what they thought they could do and they could just um give me a cocktail of prescription medications um antipsychotics antidepressants anti-everything um take your pills and fuck off pretty much yeah yeah, yeah. and then and, and and i'll we'll come back in two weeks and then we'll, we'll we'll try something else um and and that that went on for quite a while to be honest and and during that time it was not only all the symptoms were still there, but now I was also drugged up at the same time, just feeling completely spaced out. What was it like being on the antipsychotics? Yeah, that was probably the worst because um, what it didn't resolve the insomnia, but all it did is made my head spin all night and then wake up like I was just hung over, like dazed out of my mind. So it was almost like, yeah, it was like a, like a tranquilizer that didn't actually put me to sleep. <laughs> I've never had the pleasure of taking them, but I've talked, I've helped a lot of guys and a lot of them, thankfully, when they've been working with us, have came off antipsychotics, antidepressants and whatnot. And they described it as like, it's like you're being a zombie. It's like you're there. It's like the lights are on, but nobody's home. Yeah. It's like you just show up, but you're not you. It's just like this, you're totally removed from who you actually are. Yeah, it's it's crazy. It's absolutely, I don't know, I don't, I don't know understand why they prescribe that kind of medication off label like for such, for something like this right and you know th- there was never there was never even a question when I went like to try and understand the root cause it's just kind of like how can we patch this up with some kind of drug well we don't care about the other side effects but as long as it like knocks you out and puts you to sleep that's all good we've done our job you know yeah, so you'd be able to sleep, but your life's fucked. So yeah, we- yeah, <laughs> exactly. Um, but yeah, so I got to a point when I was just like, "Fuck, enough's enough." Like, yeah, I'm a zombie, and I'm still, and my health is continuing to decline. So essentially, I fired my GP, told them to fuck off, and um, did my own research, and then yeah, made a quite a you know big discovery, just just trawling through what you know what i call at the time like yeah alternate health forums and the the, we were very much in the infancy of like the biohacking kind of era starting um stumbled across a neurosurgeon in the u.s called jack cruz and his yeah um very interesting guy (laughs) yeah um trying to get him on the potty i just got to line up a time with him the dude's always traveling yeah busy man yeah. yeah 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 he's He's um yeah yeah he's 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 a wealth of knowledge but he's also very difficult to understand but he's really straight straight up to the point and very blunt about how he comes across yeah um and one of the biggest one of the biggest takeaways I I, I got from that 
was like um essentially stop focusing on like what you eat and how you exercise like focus on your your environment your light like what light exposure are you in what's your environment what's what what kind of um like including like like um emfs and wireless radiation like how disconnected are you from nature and you're not going to fix that by a ketogenic diet or fucking carnival diets or fucking whatever fad is out because yeah so he kind of had a quote it was like health is about light not food and like it was like i did kind of just stuck with me and that was kind of like the light bulb moment well most people would say as soon as they hear that like bullshit like diet and exercise that's the solution why did you choose to actually listen to what jack had to say because i <laughs> i considered myself so healthy because like, i i had been ex- extreme into um diet and exercise right i used to do powerlifting i used to um have to make weight and stuff and i'd always be continuously dieting and exercising quite strenuously yet my health would continue to decline and at what earlier on i was like oh it just means i'm not dieting well enough and i'm not exercising i need to do that harder i didn't need to do it more right and ultimately it was actually making things worse right because i was Mm. my body was in such a stressed state my adrenals were absolutely fried yet i'd still go to the gym and be like oh i'm just not you know, I'm not fit enough, I'm not healthy enough. That's why I'm sick. <laughs> and then it was like, oh shit, like actually, no, it's actually like what I'm doing like all day at work and all night at home. That's actually completely confusing my brain and telling and just disconnecting from from the environment, essentially. Mm. Mm. And so you started going down this light path. Like, what did you what did what did you first do? What did you start noticing? What were the what were the results? Well, so initially, I kind of just initially just started researching, understanding how how light interacts with our biology from a very basic level. So, from a basic level, um, you've got the sun emits very high levels of blue light. It actually emits very high levels of every color of light. So all the colors of the rainbow come out of the sun as full spectrum light, but the lower end of the spectrum, which is the blue light, when that enters the eye, essentially um, it sends a signal to your brain that it's daytime. It will, it will then increase your wakefulness hormone. So that's, that is cortisol and adrenaline. Um, when, it's, when it's functioning correctly, it increases them to a stable level to keep you awake and enable you to function and, and perform. Um, and then in the absence of that spectrum of light, so once the sun sets, there is no blue light in our environment, in nature anyway. So uh, the sun sets and um, we shouldn't have any blue light exposure because there is none being emitted in nature, and that essentially that absence of blue light allows your brain to understand that um, cortisol should lower and melatonin, which is the sleep hormone, needs to rise. So the two... The two um, counter each other you can't have high cortisol and melatonin at the same time like it's mm. either one or the other and but so what what we're doing though is the sun sets and what do we all do we will turn on all our lights to start with because none of us live in the dark um so that's the, the first issue and we have led lighting now that's the most common type of lighting in the home which is extremely high in blue light and then all the screens um computer screens ipads phones all that kind of 
stuff has also got extremely high levels of blue light. So what that's doing is essentially telling your brain in a very simplistic way that the sun is up, it's midday still. So keep that cortisol elevated. So instead of having a a 24-hour cycle where cortisol rises in the morning and starts to lower as the day goes down and and lowers in the evening and then eventually rises back, it just stays elevated the whole time because there's just constant exposure to that frequencies of light. So over time, a constant high level of cortisol, it just starts to fry, fry your adrenals. It starts to just ruin your endocrine system, right? So all your hormones just go out completely out of whack, including your sleep hormones. And then that um, brings on the insomnia and all that other stuff. Correct. Yep. Because without when you have low melatonin, well, melatonin is uh, is a, um, a a hormone that will aid sleep. It's not the end all be all, but with if you don't have high high natural melatonin, again, that means that the counter with your cortisol adrenaline will be high, which will keep you awake because that's its function. Um, well, melatonin. The cool thing about that is it's not just a sleep hormone; it's also got like a heap of other properties too, right? Yeah, and that, that's the interesting thing because. Even we have some people come to us and they go, oh, I sleep fine. Like, I don't have any sleeping problems. And I say, well, and they, but they also don't mitigate their blue light exposure at night. And I say, well, the science clearly will tell you, you will have lower melatonin regardless of wh- whether you sleep well or not. It's not, you, you can, for some people with genetic variants, um, variances and stuff, will still sleep okay with low melatonin. But melatonin itself is not just a sleep hormone, as you said. It's the most powerful antioxidant in the body. So, which makes sense whilst you sleep, this hormone floods through your body and it cleans up all the damage that is done during the day. So, it, it helps, um, you know, replenish your cells. It helps mitigate any um, oxidative damage that's done during the day. So, it's anti-cancer. It's antioxidant. It's anti so it's you know people sit there and take vitamin C for trying to scoff down vitamin C for their bloody antioxidant. <laughs> that's that's nothing in compared to what natural melatonin is doing during that eight hours of sleep. Um, is there a difference between natural melatonin and supplemented melatonin, to your knowledge? <laughs> um, there's a difference in the feedback systems in your in your body, but it still p- performs the same function. It's like kind of it's like saying to is there a difference between natural testosterone and and you know bioidentical testosterone that you use? It functions the same way in the body, but is there other steps in that system that it's interfering with? Absolutely, there That's is. That's what we always underestimate. Like when you look at uh, like testosterone replacement therapy and whatnot, uh, everyone just thinks about testosterone as the only thing, but there are also multiple other hormones along the way, which are equally important. When you supplement testosterone, you deplete a lot of those other hormones at the same time. So potentially we could be doing a similar thing with just using supplemental melatonin as opposed to getting it endogenously and naturally, right? Correct. Yeah. I don't think it like it it is a relatively safe supplement to use. Um, there isn't a hell of a lot of evidence to go, oh, if you continue to take melatonin, it's gonna do this, this, and this and mm. this. Not so much. There is probably more clear evidence around things like um testosterone replacement therapy. But like in this scenario, yes, it is relatively safe to use, but 
it's not a substitute for a poor poor lifestyle essentially like because like yeah it may help with sleep and it may help but at the same time you're still trying to counter bathing yourself in blue like keeping your um adrenaline cortisol high and then you're trying to like force in a whole melatonin which is another hormone to like counter it down while still having this unnatural exposure it's like trying to hack and override the natural systems of the body which yeah there may not be any clear research yet but like that doesn't mean it isn't having a negative effect right so totally yeah. uh, you know I, I learned one thing dude like after coaching people for so many years it's like if you fuck with nature you generally lose yeah. it's like if you go against it and you go against the flow of how things are meant to be, you're not going to win. And we, we humans like to think we're so smart because we'll discover something like melatonin and take it as a supplement, but forget about the thousand other things that our shitty behaviors are affecting at the same time. Yeah. And you can apply that to so many different things. That's totally. Yeah. <laughs> Dude, that's, that's my, why my favorite saying is when people say, don't question the science. Or like, trust it, it's science. And like, there's one thing I remember literally on my like first day at university, one of my lecturers sat down to us and said, science asks questions. It doesn't provide answers. It gives us clues to look further on. You can't conclude from a scientific paper that something is. You can only really wipe out things that it's not or or, or extend your research further forwards. Yeah. And I hate the saying, what is it like? The science is um closed on that or it's you know it's like science is actually all about like continuously looking at things and not going oh that's concluded we've moved on from that that's proven because like we don't we don't know we humans only know like so little about everything even though we think we know everything it's yeah you should never like shut the door on something and be like that's it with the science is settled on that We're, we're moving on from that because that's when you know someone's lying. If yeah. someone says that, don't question the science. The science is close. You know they're up to some fuckery. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> dude, i got another one for you. you. You said before, like, there's a lot of people who come in and say, you know, I sleep amazingly and, and I have shitty blue light habits. Like, I'm on my screens and, and I've got, like, blue light all around me all the time, but I sleep amazingly. How do they measure whether they sleep amazingly? And, and I'll, I'll preframe this with, with also like a friend of mine. A friend of mine tells me that, that she can drink coffee before bed and still go to sleep, right? <laughs> yeah. Yep. And I asked her, I'm like, how do you sleep? Oh, really, really well. And like, how many hours do you get? Oh, about four, four hours of sleep a night. And I wake up about four to five times on average. <laughs> I'm like, Jesus, like that's horrible. Yeah. Um, so like with like sleeping well, how, do you have a way of tracking and measuring the quality of sleep? And, and also, like, what would you define as, as a good amount of sleep? Yeah, that's an interesting question because it's very, um, I think, I'll just, um, I just want to um, step back and, go and talk about like how you, your friend said like they feel like they sleep amazingly because it's very subjective. Everyone has these different ideas, right? They're like, oh, no, I, 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 I don't have any problems with sleeping, yet they, they know they wake up but they X amount of times in the night and they get four hours, right? But they think that's normal. That like it's it's normalized, right? There's that that's their baseline. So it's like when they have a shitty night's sleep, it's getting two hours of sleep and waking up ten times now. But like if they if they get four hours and they only wake up five times and they do that every night, they they're not a they don't in their mind, 
that they've created that baseline of that's normal sleep for me. Mm. Um, so yeah, to, to move to your question, like how do you how do you know how do you there, there are there's like plenty of like tracking devices out there. Look, they can be good and they can be like they can be also like counterintuitive because like some people get so fixated on looking at like, like there's all sorts there's aura rings and stuff and they're like they're so fixated on their sleep score or whatever they'll look at it. And that will literally, in their brain, determine whether they got a good sleep or not. Like they'll look at it and go, "Oh, fuck, I only got like one hour of deep sleep." Yet, and now in their brain, they feel shitty and tired. Yet, they're they're so now reliant on that to tell them if they got a good sleep. The the best way to understand if you what should be normal is you should go to bed, <laughs> not to like. After the sun sets, right, within a couple of hours, you should be feeling sleepy and then going to sleep. And then you should, if you're, if your body's in sync with nature, you would then be waking around sunrise. And normally, so we're normally around eight hours, but everyone's different. Everyone's got genetic differences, so that varies. But the key is, like, how do you feel in the morning? Like, do you wake up and feel like, fuck yeah, I want to get out of bed and, like, crush the day? Or do you feel like, wake up, get out of bed and go, fuck, I'm tired? I need a coffee or I don't even fucking talk to me until I have my coffee because I am dead and I'm a zombie. Like that's how you should determine it. Like it's, it's, it's not your aura ring scores or telling you or, or even how many hours you got in bed because someone could get eight hours of shit sleep. That's potentially very broken and um, not actually getting into those deep restorative phases or someone could get half the amount of like total sleep time, but they've, they're so well trained that, they get a significant portion in the deep in the REM sleep, which is the actual the restorative phases. Mm. So, so yeah, I didn't really answer your question very simply, but like it's a eat, difficult one. Yeah, and and I guess yeah, it gets and it is tricky because like like you know like I said, oh, if you feel amazing when you get out of bed, but again, everyone's created their their own fucking baseline again, right? People just think it's normal that they need five cups of coffee a day to function and that and that's again they sit they sit below most people sit below baseline of feeling normal and caffeine brings them up to normal <laughs> like it's not like caffeine brings them up to feeling like like boosting them it's like they're down here and i need the coffee to just function like a normal person does mm. and that's becoming like very normalized in society as we move to being um bathed in digital devices everyone's staying awake at night what do people do when they can't sleep when they grab their phone out <laughs> it's the worst thing you could do it's like can't sleep i'm tossing and turning in bed well i'll just jump on my phone and scroll scroll the feed like <laughs> like now well now you're definitely not sleeping i used to be a massive offender of that man like wake up in the middle of the night at like 2 3 a.m and then yeah just like sit on my phone and it's like the time goes so not only does does do you get more awake but the time goes so quickly and you've just blown an hour and then after an hour of sitting sitting up it's like 4 a.m and then fucking then you can't get to sleep after that it's horrible yeah horrible horrible so in terms of like like blue light blocking glasses and how you recommend wearing them like obviously like you're not wearing them at, at the moment um you know i've got a big like bright light which is coming over here and so that's why i always wear them on my on my uh when, when I'm doing interviews and stuff, but like you're not wearing them now. So when do you recommend people actually use blue light blocking glasses? Yeah, so there's there's really different requirements for them in different times of the days and different environments you're in. So right now I'm not wearing them because 
Uh, I have no lights on in this room. It's all natural light that comes through here. So I'm getting all mm. full spectrum light. Uh, the screen in front of me, I run software on there that actually reduces all the blue light down. But the um, the key is is we have different um, requirements of levels of light at different times of the day. So during the daytime, we do need blue light, as I alluded to earlier. Like that is what releases cortisol, which gives you that energy and motivation and drive during the day. So if you had no blue light during the day, you'd feel pretty shitty. You'd feel, feel pretty tired and unmotivated. The problem is, is most of us aren't in a um, naturally lit room. We're in offices or homes that are using fluorescent lighting, LED lighting. So they're all artificially lit to start with. Mm. And then we've all got screens and pretty much 99% of people don't have any specialized blue light filters on their screens. So they're getting, we're pushing that blue light way too high. And that's where it's elevating our cortisol beyond, beyond the natural levels, which in turn will give you that like wide anxiety, like anxious feeling. Um, the, the tired eyes, dry eyes, eye strain, headaches. That's all the kind of symptoms of too much exposure to blue light or net, sorry, artificial blue light during the day. How does it cause eye strain? Um, so the wavelengths of blue light are down the, 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 they're down the end of the spectrum. So when you look at like wavelengths, you know, you've got like long waves, they're shorter waves. So they've got more energy in them. So they can penetrate into your eyes. They're a high energy. They'll penetrate right into the um, back of your macula. So when it's balanced with red, which red lights are the longer wavelengths, it balances it all out. And what actually hits your eye is a full spectrum light. That's from natural light. But when you look at the screen, you're just getting this narrow bandwidth of the high energy light penetrates the retina. And it just that's what's causing um, low-level eye damage constantly, and that's just aggravating your eyes, and then it's sending essentially a signal to your brain, giving you the headaches, giving you the, the eye strain. Part of it's that, so that's half of it. The other half of eye strain is is the concentration on the screens, mm. and like what you talked about earlier, like when you don't have the glasses on, like you're finding it more harder to like focus on the screen, right? So mm. it's that that is also causing eye strain as well. So you combine them both together, it's like it's just a recipe to <laughs> to just destroy your eyes and, and make it hard to focus and give you headaches. But so it's not like blue light's bad because blue light actually has a function, but blue light is bad when you take away all the other wavelengths of light because blue light's obviously in the sun and the sun is absolutely freaking incredible. Like we get our guys having like hours of sunlight exposure per week as much as you can, but it's when you take this really small narrow wavelength and you have massive concentrations of it, that's when it starts really impact massive concentrations and at the wrong times, that's when it starts causing deterioration of the eye and eye damage. And then at the same time, all the negative impacts on the hormones, on cortisol, melatonin, et cetera, et cetera. Is that right? Yeah, you've pretty much nailed it there. And it's quite interesting because a lot of people will come to us who think they know it all and go, oh, you, you guys are stupid, like, blue lights in the sun it's in nature why would you ever want to block it because that and they don't understand that yeah natural blue light artificial blue light they re whilst they have the word blue light in them they don't resemble the same thing because like like you said we fucked with nature essentially like the the light that comes from our screen doesn't exist like in that what in that form in nature and it just destroys our eyes so yeah 
the reality of it is is not all blue light is created equal is the easiest way to look at it um yeah and then, and then when so that that's really focusing around what it's like during the daytime so essentially what you're trying to do during the day because like I, the reality of it is not everyone can just go like work outside and turn all the lights off in the office because it's just not practical for for the for our modern lifestyles right so it's trying to find ways to take that extreme level of that narrow bandwidth of blue light and bring it down to what would be what you would get in nature and which is trying to balance things out a bit more it's not perfect like the glasses you're wearing now pretty much eliminates that huge spike while still allowing levels of blue light through because if you blocked it all during the day yeah it, it, that would be unnatural as well because then your brain would suddenly go oh there's no blue light in the environment it's and it would start to think it's nighttime and then that would also mess up your hormones and the cycle of day and night as well i don't have my my red red ones on me but the um like for those of you who haven't haven't seen them they're like do you have a pair there um I'm trying to see one. they're like like deep red like a ruby red and like when you put them on you actually get sleepy which is mm. crazy like you put these glasses on and then like 20 minutes later you start getting sleepy um and wearing them through the day I, I have like in my stupidity when i first started thought i knew everything and was wearing them through the day as well and it was a massive net negative to wear them through the day having the right ones at the right time is really really important because with these ones i don't get any fatigue i don't get any tightness that also means that at night time they don't have as much of an effect they're only good for the day it's like having the right tool for the job yeah yeah and and because we commonly get people coming to us go i just want one pair of glasses for day and night like you guys are just trying to like double dip here and like try and sell me two pairs for the sake of it. And I'm like, no, no, no. It's actually like if you just buy if you just buy one pair, like either either is just a waste of time. It either like the daytime ones won't do anything for your sleep at night, and you don't want to wear the nighttime ones during the daytime because it's going to just completely make things work. You'll be worse off than not wearing them. So, okay, let's say that you're on a budget, right? COVID's been a bitch. It's put a lot of people out of work and, and you know, inflation's high. So if you had to buy one pair of glasses, which one would you recommend, daytime or nighttime? I'd go nighttime. And the, right. reason, the reason why is because it's going to have the biggest impact on sleep and sleep is the pillar of health. Like I, you wouldn't be optimized for the daytime. You may, the way you can counteract um, issues with the daytime, there's ways around it, right? You could, Make sure you're getting outside for regular breaks. Make sure you're not on the screen constantly. But nighttime, like it's pretty damn hard to avoid blue light at night. You've got it in all your lights. You've got it in your TV. Even if you open the, the fridge at night, it just fucking beams out this light at you. So if you could, like, for most people, like, it, if you're looking at, like, how, how to optimize health, and if you told me, like, I sleep like shit, there's no way you would ever optimize your health, regardless of every other single biohack or any supplement or anything else um, you did. If your sleep was shit, you, you're gonna, you're never gonna get anywhere. So if you can die with sleeping, that that's gonna be one of the biggest game changers ever. So okay, so let's say that like someone they only use the um, uh, the nighttime glasses, and that's all they, they just block blue light um, through the night. What's some other low cost things that we can do to minimize harmful blue light throughout the day? Um, so yeah, I mentioned I've got some filters on my screen. So there, there's a couple of, there's a couple of options there. So one of them is called um, Flux or F, F. Lux. It's a free piece of software. 
Mm. Um, you can install that on your computer and then essentially you can set it to to reduce those levels down. It kind of will make your screen go a little bit yellowish, but um, it's certainly it's certainly help helpful. It's it's not perfect because it doesn't give you that. There's no feedback to tell you like unless you buy an expensive light spectrometer, you still don't really know what's coming off the screen. Like I've said, I've actually got a light spectrometer, and I played it. I set it like on their mode that said like healthy eyes, and then I measured I measured the spectrum up, and I was like, oh no, that's still not healthy for your eyes. Like versus like with our glasses, we kind of know we've created a very exact specification of what it's going to filter. So it's kind of, but like yeah, it's it's certainly a, a a good mitigation tool for screens, but it never stops your overhead lights, um, which is which is a real like. You know, I came from a corporate background. It's you get it's very difficult to 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 avoid it in any kind of commercial setting, corporate setting. All Those got, things are evil, aren't they? Yeah, they're freaking horrible. I'm going going down the <laughs> going down the conspiracy rabbit. Oh, hole. let's go, yeah. man! Buckle up, let's go down this down this rabbit hole. So, so it, you you go into any office building, they've just got this blasting bright white white light which is right high and blue so what it does <laughs> it, it makes you perform really well it wires you up it, but eventually it burns your workforce out so it's a good way of getting your getting a shitload out of you for employees making them very productive but then just sweeping them out and putting some new ones in the place once you've burned them out putting them under some nice bright light gets them going that's what I'll tell my guys to do. I'll ban blue light blocking glasses at JCF and make sure that everyone has these really <laughs> bright white lights. I was actually reading like, in Vegas, apparently that's what they do to keep people gambling. Yeah. They have really bright lights and they remove all the clocks so you don't know what time of day it is and then increase the amount of oxygen so that you feel more <laughs> energized. Yeah. It's genius, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. So, and you see, you just see that in the workplace, like it's, there's no such thing as like natural light coming into buildings anymore. They all the blinds down, and we've just got like fluorescent tubes everywhere. Um, it's yeah, it's 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 a big problem because yeah, it we most people spend they're spending eight hours a day there, and they don't go outside. Most people won't go outside for lunch. It gets really bad in winter when. You get up at seven a.m. It's still dark. You drive to work. You get in the you get in the office just as the sun's coming up, and then you leave it after five or six o'clock, and the sun's gone down. You never get any natural light, and then you wonder why people end up depressed in summer. It's seasonal affective disorder. That's lack of light. That's lack of blue light. Lack of natural blue light, I should say. So, was there a time where seasonal affective disorder? Um started like really becoming common like was there some time was it known to be a thing like a hundred years ago 200 years ago no it's the indoor lifestyle it's caused it right and that's why it's worse in the places like the uk because no one goes outside because it's shitty weather fuck i'd be depressed if i lived in the uk (laughs) (laughs) we got one of our employees jimmy is an awesome guy i don't know how he's such a good guy for living in such a miserable climate um, but I'll be like FaceTiming him and I'm here in Noosa. It's like 30 degrees, beautiful every day. And he's there and it's fucking snowing. But it's not even the good snow, like that white fluffy. It's like that rainy, mushy stuff. I'm uh, like, ugh, how can you do that? How can you do that? Gross. But, um, dude, I, I read a study now. This is going, it's actually a case study going back a few years. And it actually cited a guy who had all these skin cancers all over his back. 
he used to fall asleep with the TV going at night and he would roll over and his back would be facing the TV. And they suggest that this could be a reason for it. And this is one case study. I never actually delved into it more, but do you know if there's any impact that blue light can have on the skin much in the same way that the sun can have an impact on the skin? Yep. Yep. So there's certainly emerging evidence coming out around um, the impact of blue light on the skin. So what they actually discovered um, 2008, I think. So essentially in our eyes, um, we've got we've got receptors in our eyes that rods and cones that allows us to have eyesight. Um, in 2001, no, 1999, they discovered that it wasn't just rods and cones in our eyes. We had uh, other receptors, which are essentially photoreceptors, um, which are called melanopsin receptors. So they are the receptors that respond to blue light, essentially to to um, govern our day-night cycles through the cortisol and melatonin. So in in um, 2007, they discovered the skin had the same melanopsin receptors in it. And so what that what that actually uncovered, and it's still emerging um, research coming out about it, but essentially the skin has its own clock, its own day-night cycles that it runs. So what happens is when our skin is designed to do different things at different times of the day based on the light exposure. So when when it's nighttime, it's not supposed to have any blue light in it. And that's when the skin actually goes through and repairs itself, repairs any um, damaged cells and rejuvenates overnight. And so if you think about what you're doing when whilst you could have your eyes protected, all that, but you've got this blue light coming continuously on the skin, high energy, none of the red light again, When I, because red light, when you balance it with blue, it makes it so it's not so high energy and it's not breaking down because that's what it's doing. It's actually penetrating and breaking down at the cell layer. Yeah, it eventually will lower the time the skin has to repair from any damage done during the day. We go outside during the day, UV light is damaging. Mm. Um, it, it, it damages the skin, but the skin gets time to repair and, and rejuvenate in the absence of any light so what we're doing is we're slowly over time we're lowering the amount of time to repair so instead of getting back to a like you know you could be at least just say like your skin breaks down breaks down over over during the day and then you sleep or you go in the absence of of light and then it comes back to net zero in the morning well eventually you never make it back to net zero and you just keep going slowly into the negative and that eventually starts to cause things like cancer Right. And so is that it partly in due to the actual sun exposure or can this be, let's say we have one of these people who lives in, you know, the UK, one of those poor bastards and you're waking up at, you know, seven driving into work and then you're just under artificial blue light all day and that's it. Can they start to develop skin cancers? Is there any evidence for that? Well, yes, because they're, they're not getting any of that, the infrared um, light. They're not, so the, the red and the in, infrared light is, very healing and very beneficial to the skin, to the to the whole body system, the mitochondria, which are our, essentially what the, the powerhouses of our cells are what energize us and make us function. So when you so that's why things like red light therapy are so becoming such a, uh, a popular health tool, right? Because they they're taking the very uh, what I would consider the beneficial or very uh, healing wavelengths of the sun, concentrating it and giving you giving it to you and 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 therapeutic doses in the body and so all we're doing so if you don't get outside and get those 
those wavelengths in and you're just taking in the blue light from screens and artificial sources, the, all you're doing is getting this damaging wavelengths never balanced at all. So it just continuously is just causing damage with no repair. Mm. So some of the, like here in Australia, we always get told to slip, slop, slap, cover up, all that sort of stuff. You, you're shaking your head and laughing, much the same as what I do, right? That may not be the cause of a lot of skin cancers. Is, is that right? Controversial topic, yeah. Yeah, very. let's go controversial, yeah. bro. Um, yeah, like we're, we're a very sun-phobic nation, like everywhere, right? Yeah, don't, don't go out in the sun. It's bad for you. You're going to burn. Well, the only reason you burn in the sun is because you haven't been out in the sun. <laughs> it's like you, you haven't built up any tolerance. Like it's, it's so it would be stupid to think we've got this big giant ball in the sky that completely is responsible for, for life on earth, all plants and everything. If there was no sun, would not be alive. Yet we don't need exposure to it. We should be actually deflecting the rays of it. So when you look at, it, at the science on like, so your slip, slop, slap is going to block your UVA and your UVB light from actually entering the body. If we just put it put aside what the chemical makeup of the, of the sunscreen itself and what that's doing with all the endocrine disruptors in it, but let's just say it's not that. And you're we'll just- We'll come simply, back to that one. Yeah, you're simply just blocking the UVA and UVB light from the sun, which does, yes, cause, um, does cause- burning if you are not adapted and exposed for too long but uvb light is responsible for vitamin d production in the body vitamin d is not a vitamin it's a hormone to start with we call it a vitamin but <laughs> so why why would you so vitamin d d is one of the most um essential hormones in the body it's responsible for like thousands of processes so without it you you kind of screwed for for opt for optimal health anyway, and we're told that we shouldn't be getting sun exposure, yeah. And then everyone's got low vitamin D status, which is which gives you low immune function and just low health status in general. Mm. Um, yeah. So I guess that that's just on the on the vitamin D front. Now, if we talk about like, well, well, we we think that if we get go out in the sun, we're going to get cancer. Well, that's if you get burnt from the sun yes absolutely if you cause damp because uv uv light will cause damage if a you're overexposed um or b you haven't built up tolerance so and the way you build it so you wonder why we tan when we go in the sun is is once you have um once your skin tans that increases the melanin in your skin and that's the pigment that gives your skin color now melanin actually limits the absorption of um, uva so it's like it, nature's smart right it, it's got a it's got a mechanism to limit the amount of 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 what i call would call a nutrient which is the sun and and the wavelengths from it of getting too much of it um but what we do is we cover up for like i don't know or just stay away from the sun for like 90 percent of the year and then we go out one day have skins hasn't seen the sun forever and then don't put any sun well, sorry yeah we'll go out in the middle of summer when they haven't built up any tolerance and then they burn and then they go back to the not seeing the sun again so you're just creating the cycle of damage and then no no benefits from the sun it's like the cycle of there's never any like getting in a, a, a optimal dose and building up tolerance and building up your health status 
throughout all the beneficial wavelengths of full spectrum light, UV, infrared light, and everything. The other thing so, I found like super ironic about like blaming the sun is that the way that the body heals cancers before it happens. I mean, if we look at what the, the uh, UVA radiation causes damage within the DNA of the skin cells and it changes or, or it just mutates. There's, you know, you've got the, the four nucleotides um, and it, it changes them and puts them into, it just causes a mutation. I won't go down in the nerdy shit, but the way that the body deals with that is through cutting out the bad little bits and putting in new good ones. And it seems that that process of cutting out bad little bits and putting in new good ones is affected and impacted when we have high levels of inflammation throughout the body. If we have low sun exposure, we have less, inf- less melatonin. Less melatonin means that we have greater levels of inflammation and more oxidative stress. And then on top of that, if we have poorer levels of melatonin, we generally have poorer sleep too, which then has a whole host of pro-inflammatory effects. So by limiting our sun, we're actually making the whole thing worse. And instead of going out, as you said, for one week of the year and getting a shitload of sun and getting absolutely roasted, getting sunburn on sunburn, we should be getting a continual low-dose exposure over an extended period of time, which then allows all of that excision repair or that mutation healing, that, that cancer healing, all those cancer healing properties should be occurring all the time instead of blocking all the cancer healing stuff for 360 days of the year and then getting absolutely lobstered for five of them. Mm. And, and the key is melanin, what I said, like building that up as well in your skin gives is melanin is like nature's sunscreen when you've got high melanin it, it stops the absorption it stops too much absorption of the and, and causing too much damage so the key the way to build up your melanin is being outside all times of the year because what happens is when it's in spring and it started is uv starting to come in the environment more and more if you're constantly getting exposure to that as the season changes by the time you hit mid midsummer you've built up such a good tolerance to it. It's, it's not going to roast you. But what everyone does is they wait till midsummer and like, fuck yeah, let's go to the beach. Like, uh, got to get the fucking summer body out. And they haven't seen like the sun the whole time and they just get fucking fried because their, their skin has no melanin that's built up in it. So how and, much time do you think we need to spend in the sun per day, every day? <laughs> <laughs> it's a tricky one. There's like, there's practical and there's like ideal, right? Like I personally try and, get outside for half an hour every day but like it's it can be difficult if you if your lifestyle doesn't allow it um but even in the morning the morning is like really good the morning is a bit different because it doesn't have the uv in it but it has a whole bunch of benefits around the infrared wavelengths in the morning but yeah i guess it's just as much as you possibly can and then once we start when you're coming into summer it's just like be sensible with sun exposure right like if if you're not if you haven't built up a tolerance and you're not brown, well, don't go out midday sun. Like go out like early morning and, and just do that for a while and start to build up some tolerance. And then and then like in the peak of summer, I can go out into midday sun for like four hours with no sunscreen on. I don't get burnt. I feel fine. And there's no sign of any damage because <laughs> by by that point I'm quite brown and I've, I've you know I've been building up to it. Dude, um, I but- find that I spend about four hours a day every day out in the sun. Yeah, absolute game changer for how you feel like setting up your day. It instantly turns you into a morning person, never get burnt and always feel like warm and radiant. You know what I mean? Mm. 
And there's another part that plays into like sun exposure, which actually links into the sleep and the melatonin, which is um, exposure to infrared light and blue light and full spectrum, just sunlight that in, on the skin, that increases your serotonin in, in, in the body and the brain. And so serotonin, first of all, is what we need for mood regulation. So people that have got depression normally have low low serotonin levels. So an SSRI is a serotonin. Select um, serotonin reuptake inhibitor. There yeah. you go. That's it. Yep. So you're just trying to artificially raise low serotonin. So you can do that by just getting sun exposure. You bring up your levels of serotonin. And then what happens is in the absence of blue light, serotonin converts to melatonin. There's a there's a chemical reaction essentially that will convert that into melatonin. Melatonin doesn't just magically come out of nowhere. The building blocks to melatonin are created through serotonin. So if you don't go outside and get sufficient light exposure to have sufficient serotonin levels, you could block as much blue light as you want at night. You won't have any melatonin because you've got no raw building blocks to create it. So if any if anything, it's actually um, more important to get sufficient light exposure during the day than what you're doing at night because it, you're, what you're doing at night just potentially won't have any effect if, you have, if you're just sitting inside all day and never actually getting outside. And that's probably one of the key things we find when, when people come to us and they've bought some glasses and they're just like, they're not working. And it's like, well, what are you doing during the day? Well, just nothing. I'm inside all day. Like, it's like, well, get outside and get some morning exposure and then get some midday exposure and then, and then start wearing the, the um, glasses at night and doing all the things. So, and then they start to see significant change. So it's, it's like you can't do one or the other. You've got to kind of, they kind of both work together, what you do at day and what you do at night. So you've seen lately a lot of people have started sunning their butt holes, right? And they've, <laughs> they've started getting into the perineum sunning, right? You see them there, and they're, they're, on, they're on social media with their legs up over their head and butthole to the sky. Do you recommend perineum sunning? <laughs> and, and actually, I think the question everyone wants to know is, do you do it? <laughs> um, I can't say I would recommend it. Like, if I'm <laughs> again, if you've built up some melanin in that region, you might be okay, but there's nothing. You start slow. Start a couple of minutes yeah. a day. It's probably nothing worse than a. A burnt butthole, you know. Dude, so. I heard I heard of a guy talking about it. About he got someone, one of his friends, convinced him to do it. He's like, "Yeah, right, whatever. I'll try it. I'll see how it goes." He got absolutely roasted, and he couldn't sit for a week. Yeah, fuck. But, but being that, like, on a more serious note, now that we've established you don't sun your butthole, um, the interplay with the gut because it has a, a, a large sunlight has. Yeah, very big relationship with the gut. H- have you done much research or delving into the relationship between adequate sunlight exposure and, and you know, correct light exposure in general and gut health? A um, little bit. So it actually can play into the serotonin pathways as well because a lot of serotonin is actually produced in your gut at the same time. So and having adequate serotonin um actually aids in just overall general health of the gut as well um so yeah that is that is a key factor as well in, in ensuring you're going to have a healthy gut um but yeah apart moving into like gut issues like if you've got actual 
severe gut problems like digestive issues. I haven't really seen too much around the use of light to to have, to court to cause like or to be of benefits there. One thing I found, and I was, I was digging into this years ago now, I don't know why this study stuck with me, but the microbes we have within our gut, are actually respond. they actually respond to the light. Don't ask me how the light gets all the way down there, but apparently they, they actually respond to it. And then when we, that's, I think, where perineum sunning came from, because you can actually get light up there because the bacteria and the microbes respond to it. I know that it has a whole heap of beneficial effects and whether the microbes somehow benefit from the light coming in and just entering through our skin or whether it's through like our our, our mouth and digestive tract. But apparently all of the microbes, they actually have some sort of relationship to it, which I found really, really fucking cool. Then also all the other effects of serotonin and whatnot. And I guess Mm. where I want to go through from here is you mentioned before the chemical disruptors in sunscreen. Mm -hmm. Can you – we've been pushed – to have sunscreen all the time. I mean, if you don't wear sunscreen, you're not allowed out, out, out to play. Uh, you got to zinc up. You got to do all this sort of stuff. I'll, I'll leave zinc alone. That's not as bad. Yeah. But sunscreen, um, yeah. Can you run us through the chemical disruptors that are in sunscreen? Um, well, the, the main thing, first of all, is the skin is our biggest organ, and it just absorbs whatever we we put on it. It's extremely, it's um, it uptakes extremely well. So, like, um, that, that method of absorption can be used uh, for, for benefits of, of trying to take stuff into the bloodstream and whatnot. So, the issue is once you put sunscreen on, it's, it's full of um, all sorts of different chemicals, which are endocr- endocrine disruptors. And what they do is they can mim- mimic some of the hormones in our body. So, like, for example, it will bind to um, things like to make the body think it's estrogen and will cause, like, estrogen-mimicking effects. Um, yeah, there are things called like parabens in them, um, and other other chemicals. And essentially, yeah, you're absorbing all that chemicals into your bloodstream, and they're mimic- mimicking different hormones in the body, but it's not actually the correct hormones, and it will elevate those levels, and it can throw things all out of whack, essentially, which will then in turn cause a whole bunch of different health issues. We're really in a society of very very high levels of estrogen these days. Between the stuff we're putting in our skin, all the plastics and the BPAs, which are also, you know, phyto and xenoestrogens or estrogen mimicking molecules that you've had. Uh, do you know the, have you seen or any studies which uh, relate to the effects that these estrogens are having on the body and like what, what negatives they actually cause? Um, yeah. And guys, it can cause man, man tits. It's a big one. Super common, man. Really common. Gynecomastia, particularly in guys in office jobs is really common. Um, and then it's it, yeah, it messes with all your mood regulation, so depression, anxiety, all that can be linked into it as well. And you start being a little bitch, crying too much. Yeah. <laughs> yep. We have a joke in bodybuilding. A lot of guys who take steroids, right, and uh, and they don't take, they don't control their estrogens. Um, they start throwing tantrums. And they start getting pissy. I don't know if you've ever met a bodybuilder before, but lots of them are really, really awesome human beings, and then lots of them are total fuckwits. And they yeah. just whinge and piss and moan. And those are the ones you can tell if they've screwed up their estrogen because they just start <laughs> becoming a little pussy. Yeah. <laughs> and so, okay. So obviously sunscreens are a no-go. Um, well, I can't say that, I don't think. But oh, fuck it, I'll say it, whatever. So I don't wear sunscreen. I don't believe in it. My kids won't be wearing sunscreen, sure as shit. Um, but you got, yeah, I, I agree with that. But as long as 
as long as someone knows how to actually work in with the sun. Because if, if you're like, fuck sunscreens, don't use that shit. And then they're like, oh, cool. Fuck yeah, I'm just going to go out in the sun. And they get fucking burnt to a crisp 10 times. And they got come back to you and go, oh, well, now I've got fucking skin cancer. Skin like, cancer. So yeah. that's what I was going to ask you is like, okay, so we don't want to wear sunscreen. Well, I don't want to wear sunscreen. And, and that's not, not what I do personally. I can't recommend that, I guess, because that goes against everything that you've been told. But if you didn't want to wear sunscreen, in your opinion, what do you think we should do instead to manage sun exposure so we don't get skin cancer? Um, few things. So first of all, uh, what I talked about earlier, try and build up a tolerance earlier in the season. So you, so you've got a natural defense, but if you haven't done that, um, things like limit your time in the sun. Like if, if you, if you haven't got that tolerance, cover up after, like just have, have stuff to actually cover up your skin, chuck a hat on. Um, and then all failing that there are, there are some alternatives out there that can help limit limit um like net more natural based sunscreen so things like zinc like you mentioned that's probably a good one that's one of the better ones but probably doesn't look too attractive with the zinc on there it doesn't exactly like <laughs> um blend in but yeah that's probably the biggest one is like there's there's been times like in the past when i'm like yeah okay like i'm, I'm probably probably can't sustain a whole day in the sun but I'm in an event, then I'll just go get a light, some light clothing and put that on to cover up and put a full brim hat on and I'm fine. Perfect. Yeah. Yeah, my, my nose always gets smashed every yeah. time. It's the one bit of my body which gets burnt. The easiest thing ever is to put on zinc. It's like I'm yeah. married. I don't give a fuck. Like <laughs> I will look like a twat. But it's incredibly effective with literally zero issues. And if we do absorb zinc, most people are zinc deficient anyway. Mm. So it's a win, right? Yep. Yeah, and so like red light therapy, you spoke on that. I really want to go into that because that's a really cool area. One more um, thing, one more yeah, thing. While we're on the sun, I just one thing I thought of is another key thing is don't wear sunglasses. Yeah, <laughs> for, a couple, for a couple of reasons. So first of all, sunglasses they filter out. Well, first of all, they filter out all the UV light. Generally, they filter out a hell of a lot of blue light. So everyone walks around with their sunnies on a day because they think they look. They look awesome and they look cool in them, right? And that's probably why most people actually wear them. But what that does is it brings your blue light exposure right down. So now you're not getting enough blue light during the day. You're lowering your your body's ability to understand what time of the day it is. So it will affect your sleep. It will affect your, your body's ability to regulate its circadian rhythm properly. The second, so that, that's just on the, 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 the general of like light exposure. It kind of like plays into what I said about like don't wear nighttime blue blocking glasses during the daytime well sunglasses are pretty damn close to nighttime blue block they they smash that blue light right down to rock bottom levels mm. so that's the first problem the second problem is there's, there's there's some emergent evidence to show if you put sunglasses on and you block out all that uv light all the sunlight it actually puts your skin at higher risk of burning because this, the eyes aren't receiving the messages of light anymore and telling your brain to build the melanin anymore in your skin. So it doesn't actually sit there and respond to the UV light, build the melanin, build the defense. So it just sits there and just gets more hammered from the sun because it doesn't. your, your eyes aren't taking in that signal of light correctly anymore. Huh. Never heard of that. That's really interesting. Yeah. So wear sunglasses, you'll get more sunburn. Yeah, gotcha. 
So if it's really, really glary, and so like, is there a type of sunglasses that you can wear? Because, you know, when I was riding around in Bali, like that's what we'd all wear, right? Yeah. Shirt off like on the, on the bike because otherwise, you know, sun just gets in your eye. Is there anything that you can do at all? That's the only time I would recommend sunglasses is like for safety reasons, if you're driving or something like that. But the glare that most people get is literally because they wear sunglasses. Their eyes aren't used to the sun anymore. It's like you've people can't stand not wearing sunglasses because everything's too bright, right? Well, they need to get used to the sun. Their eyes are not adapted to it. So really the, the solution for a lot of these things, the most simple thing is to just spend more time in the sun, stop covering yourself up, but also making sure, treading that fine line where you're not covering yourself up, but you're also not getting burnt and, and getting damaged. And I guess that's where like skin cancer checks come in and whatnot, getting them done like once, twice a year, every single year, right? And so that just in case you have stuffed up somewhere along the way, which is highly possible, highly probable even, uh, that if there is a negative from it, you're covering your bases, right? Yep. And just being sensible. Okay, cool. Is there anything else that you want to touch on that before we move on to red light therapy? Nah, I think we covered that topic. Dude, let's talk red light therapy because this, this stuff's exciting. Yeah, what do you want to know? First of all, let's go. Let's start right at the very beginning. Why is red light therapy beneficial and, and what is it? Okay. So red light therapy technically should be called red and near-infrared light therapy. So a lot of people are going to get confused and they go, oh, yeah, no, I've got some red light bulbs and I can, I'll can, i get my red light therapy through that red light bulb. Or they'll also think, oh, I've got an infrared sauna. So I'm going to get my red light therapy from my infrared sauna. So all of those are completely different things. Um, for, well, first of all, your red light bulb is as in a therapeutic light at all. All that is literally is a red light bulb that's giving you red light. <laughs> um, there's no therapy involved. Uh, uh, infrared sauna um, will will has a, has a hell of a lot of benefits, but that that's more around um, the it's more using far infrared mid and a bit of mid infrared. Some of them will have a small amount of near infrared. That's pretty much um, very um, wavelengths that will heat you, heat the body. So it'll heat you from like the inside out. It'll make your body sweat. You'll do a hell of a lot of sweating. Um, de- a lot of detoxifications done through sweating. And there's also a lot, lot of um, cardiovascular benefits to it. It actually puts a bit of stress on your heart under a bit of stress, makes it pump a bit harder. It almost mimics the same kind of stress you go through with exercise hmm. so your body your body adapts to that and becomes very stronger um so you so primarily it's used for detoxification though the the infrared sort of and then you move on to the near infrared and red light therapy so what that is is most commonly are these large um light panels that are, that are created like and the what, ones behind you is that yeah th- yeah so those are a couple of small ones um we've got We've got full body ones as well. If I can just see that one over there, and that's a full body one down on the corner. Yeah, there. gotcha. Um, yeah. So what what you do with them is so they've got a um, they're using very specific wavelengths of of both red and near infrared light. So um, there's a lot of research done on very specific wavelengths and what effect they have in the body. So what they found is uh, one of the most commonly studied red light wavelengths is 660 nanometers. And when you use that in a very high dose, very close to the body, it will, it will um, 
So the red will will penetrate the skin and have a whole lot of benefits on the, at the skin layer. So the red light at the 660, sometimes a bit of 630 is, is quite beneficial. What that will do is help with um, skin conditions like psoriasis, um, any scar, scar tissue, any healing, um, fin- wrinkles, fine lines, any of that sort of stuff at that um, sub-layer of the skin. So it's quite commonly used in um, things like, in like beauty treatments and stuff like that. But, yeah, very beneficial to people that have also got a lot of different skin conditions. Um, and then the near-infrared, so the most commonly used uh, wavelength in the near-infrared is 850 nanometers. So that's a, it's an invisible light. It's not visible light. We've moved off the visible spectrum into the um, invisible spectrum. Now, it's not producing lots of heat. That's not its primary function. Um, its primary function is at that wavelength, it penetrates deep into the body so it can go right into the body so depending on where it's actually penetrating what um what area of the body but what it does is it actually interacts with your at the cell level with the mitochondria right so the near infrared light actually helps or aids the mitochondria to function more correctly essentially it helps them produce and function as they should so essentially your cells are completely going through the correct cycle as they should they're producing energy as they should so it aids in just overall correct functioning which can aid in depending on what area you're looking at so for example if you're shining it on the brain it can help with issues with the brain so like alzheimer's issues and stuff like that Um, if you're shining it into tissue like if you've got an injury it's going to help heal that faster if you've got um if you've got hormonal issues with your thyroid or your adrenals, it's going to help them function better. Mm. Um, so really, it's like when you look at the list of benefits of the two, when you combine the two together, you're approaching the skin and just under the skin and then the infrared's going right the way into the body. You combine them together and you look at the list of things that can help with. It's, it's pretty much everything. <laughs> well, so, at the same same time, right, is there a risk or is there ev- any evidence to suggest, like, what we're doing here is we're taking a small uh, wavelength of light, like one, one, one short uh, spectrum in the, in, the, in the whole light. Is there any risk that it could be or any evidence of risk that it could be having the same negative effect on the body, like taking that short amount of blue light? Because blue light's not bad, just when we have this high concentration of this one wavelength right yeah could the, the same is it is it possible based on the evidence that we have at the moment that red light could do the same well not really because what makes blue light bad is it it doesn't have so it's almost like if you look at blue light okay blue light's very damaging and it breaks things down but what is the antidote to that is the red light the red light comes in and like cancels out the damage that it does because it's like it's like healing and 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 pushing things the other way so when you have damage plus healing the net effect is like is balanced right mm. so what we're doing with the red light is we're taking all those healing and beneficial wavelengths and using them in higher dosages almost to offset the bad blue light exposure and we're getting during the day um so i don't believe it's it's like pretty much there's been a few studies done and it's it's almost like it's something you really can't overdose on <laughs> It's like because it it doesn't have the so because if we if you look at the spectrum when we talk about UV light that actually sits on the other side by blue light right so uh, you got you got ultraviolet that goes into violet that goes into blue so they're down the complete opposite end of a of a spectrum of the of 
of different wavelengths, right? Mm. On the other side, right at the other end, you've got red that then goes into near infrared. So they're the complete opposite spectrums. So mm. we know that too much UV light damages us, can cause skin cancer, and, and we and blue light can. So too much of that will cause too much damage. But can you get too much healing? <laughs> like, you know, like that. And 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 the evidence suggests not really. Like it's because it's all down to the, the the wavelength. Because you're on a bigger wavelength, it's less damaging, and it's it's not it's not less damaging. It's healing because of the wavelength, which is the yeah. which is the reason why you can have those shorter. Uh, just having a, a specific frequency or a specific wavelength, and it actually be good as opposed to bad. And so when 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 you go outside in the sun, it's all balanced all together. You've got UV, you've got blue light, you've got red light, you've got near infrared, you've got infrared light, and it all is a, a whole. It's all nice and balanced, right? But if you jumped into a UV tanning bed, which is isolated, that's a recipe for skin cancer, right? But yeah. if you jump, if you use a, a infrared, which is on the opposite end, well, that's I, I can't see how it's ever gonna. It's it, it's at the end of the spectrum where there's it's only providing benefit. It's extracting those beneficial wavelengths from what we get from the sun and using them artificially in a way. I guess, yeah. I've seen a lot of people do, go the cheapo route with red light therapy and chuck cellophane over lights. <laughs> what benefits that gonna have, if anything? <laughs> um, probably none, to be honest, because. So cellophane over lights, that, that's a common thing people will do with light. Because, like, like, for example, like, you know, I said there's a red light bulb to produce red light. There's a lot, there are benefits to that. We do sell red light bulbs, right? Because at nighttime, you don't want blue light and potentially a bit of green light um, if we're completely dialing it in to be optimized. So we sell light bulbs that are pure red light. They don't emit, they emit various, um, very narrow spectrum of red light. But you can... We get commonly asked, I can go to Bunnings because our light bulbs cost about $30 because of the tech that we've put in them. But you can go to Bunnings and buy a, a party light bulb for, for red light bulb for like $5. And they're like, well, what, why, would I, why, why can't I just get one of those? And the difference is, is those party light bulbs are a standard LED bulb and they've just put a, a colored shell over the top of it. So, yeah, it looks red. It's got red light that, that you get in it, but it's still got blue light in it. Like it's uh, like you can still have blue light being emitted from a light source and it appear to be red. So when you chuck your spectrometer up to it, mm -hmm. it's going to show that there's still, like on the apps, there's still some blue light coming through as opposed to if you do it the proper way, you'll get minimal, if any. Yeah. And because the difference, like our light bulbs, they don't use a colored shell. The actual, they're admitting pure red light from the source. It's not trying to filter it out or change it with a, piece of cellophane or red paint or yeah so yeah for decorative purposes if you want red light yep but if you're purely doing it because you you understand the, the specific frequencies of light that you want to be exposed to at night well you can't you can't cheat the system and get the old cellophane out it's not really going to do anything 100 well so if, if anybody wants to learn more about this like obviously you know all our clients have got the massive course on this but if anyone wants to learn more from you guys or wants to get a pair of these sexy sexy things or like one of the, the bright red ones what's the best place like where can they they look for you guys and where can they find you um so yeah we're, we're at um so we've got three websites so in aussie we're at block blockbluelight.com.au 
And then we've got .co.uk and .co.nz based on those regions. Uh, heaps of info on the site. We've got a blog, whole blog that we, we release heaps of information about all this kind of stuff we've talked about today, all range of topics. So we can dive in there. Um, yeah, and we've got pretty pretty extensive information on the site just even when trying to work out what you need and, and why you need it. But yeah, if um, if people do get a bit lost, just just jump up on the on the um, on the live chat, and we can help you out on there as well. Unreal, man, dude! Thank you so much for coming on. This was epic. I really enjoyed this chat. Yeah, second time. Awesome. <laughs> yeah, even better. <laughs> Thanks for your time, brother. Cool, man. Appreciate you, man. Okay, catch up. I hope you enjoyed the video. If you got something out of it and you want to learn more. Click the link below or type in High Performance Conversations with James Can, and you'll be able to check out all the podcasts that we've done. We cover a stack of different topics, everything from getting your mojo back, overcoming anxiety, self-doubt, self-esteem, and learning from some of the industries and some of the world's top performers in both business and in health. Look forward to having you on there.